Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Half Court and Midrange. Uh, I'm Court. I'm Ray. to a Sixers game recently you're in Philadelphia yeah I went to a Sixers game in Philadelphia for the first time in probably at least 10 years uh which is yeah which is which is fun um I've been to a bunch in DC and New Orleans since then but it was good to get back and root with uh people who are rooting and cheering for the same team as me it's a strange phenomenon which Uh, team were they cheering for they were cheering for the Sixers um and and there was a lot of people in the stadium, even though Joel Embiid wasn't playing. Um, they were playing the Spurs, and yeah, it was it was it was exciting. It was a good like it was a really good atmosphere uh, when the best player on the floor for us was probably Brutal Bob Covington. And so, anyhow, it's good that fans are getting up and uh, excited about basketball, even if our team is not super good without Joel Embiid. Yeah, did you participate in any sort of fan chants or anything like that? I actually didn't, um, they didn't have, if Embiid was playing, they would have had the trust the process chance when he was shooting free throws, uh, but because he wasn't, there actually wasn't, there weren't really any coordinated chance, mm. um, and, uh, but yeah, it was a competitive game, TJ McConnell continued to play well, we were in it until like two minutes left, and then they kind of pulled away. It's the Wells Fargo. And actually, Jaleel Okafor played really well, and we are trying to trade him. Uh, He is one of our many centers, and hopefully we will trade him by the trade deadline in two weeks here. And he looked really good. Um, He's a decent amount of time he can be good on offense, and he was, and he seemed engaged on defense. He had, I think he had two blocks, one of which was kind of impressive. Um I love this uh, newfound optimism for him, as if like somebody, you know, a GM for another team would be listening yeah. to this podcast. I can only like, assume yeah, he's looking really good. So if you're trying to trade for him, <laughs> I can only assume Dell Demps, GM of the New Orleans Pelicans, is listening to this podcast to get the insider info, and they specifically have been implicated as a team that is interested in Jaleel Okafor. And so Dell, I would be really sad if the Jaleel Okafor left the Sixers because he's a really good player. Subtweet. Take him. Give him whatever you want to for. Give us whatever you want to for Jaleel Okafor. He's not very good, and we will be happy. So you'll throw in a you know a few shots of high end espresso, and Dell might take it. <laughs> yes, the man loves his coffee. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, speaking of that. Totally unrelated note, really. Getting back to the Sixers game, uh, this was your second time seeing Kawhi Leonard in the flesh in how many, like a couple weeks? Yeah, probably two weeks. And we saw him a couple Friday nights ago uh, in New Orleans. And uh, yeah, I just, this season, I think I've come more and more to appreciate his game. He just, I like the way he, I like just the way, he's just a real, he's a quiet dude. He just kind of goes out and plays really excellent basketball. He's really awesome defensively. He's stepped up as an offensive player this year now that they need him to score more. Um, he just has like a super smooth game. And uh, I think he's kind of 
whenever people talk about him, it's like, ah, he's underrated. And so I think that probably means now he's being proper, more properly rated. Nonetheless, I think he's like just a definitely like a top five player in the league. Um, and do you think that he's an all star this year? I do think he's an all star <laughs> this year. Um, that explains why they put a graphic of him up on the building across from. Oh, they yeah. did. I didn't yeah. see that. Um, but yeah, he's like he is one of the, and I think what's what's great about his game is that he can fit in just so many roles like he could on whatever team you put him on he's gonna excel um i think there's a lot of superstars where that's not the case like russell westbrook needs the ball you know and so if you put him with another ball dominant player he's not gonna work well as an off ball guy he doesn't play disciplined defense he doesn't overall play good defense because he's gambling for steals and not like super engaged um but Kawhi can be off ball guy he's really good shooting he plays great defense all the time he can play against bigger opponents he can play against smaller guys um he's uh, he can create his own shot if he needed to he's um he's just all around a great player top five top five easily and i think when you think about like this would probably be another segment for another time but uh i'd spend some amount of time thinking about what would be like the the best team the five best players to put on a team um i think it's like a fun mental exercise to think about not only how good they are but how they fit together Mm-hmm. And like, there's no scenario where I would construct that team in which Kawhi Leonard would not be one of them because of those attributes, like how he's good at all things and he can just fit in whatever you want to do. Do you um, think even a five, five Kawhi Leonard's would be? Five Kawhi Leonard's would be awesome. <laughs> Actually, I want to say five Kawhi Leonard's might be the best five of any five of the same player, maybe except for LeBron yeah but yeah i think that's those are the two contenders there it'd be hard because of the sort of more specialized nature of some of these other really good player skills yeah um you know the bigger guys gonna run into some trouble there yeah obviously if everyone could shoot like steph curry that would be awesome but yeah he would have some difficulties with defense yeah i think five lebrons would struggle and that right now lebron's not shooting great from outside so i think they would have trouble spacing the floor um fortunately that all be excellent at passing so <laughs> they could probably find some seams um but yeah five kawaii's could pretty much do everything but yeah, like don't count said, out don't count out five tj's though five tj mcconnell's five tj mcconnell's yeah, yeah you can't that's a lot of grit that's a lot of you're yeah. maximizing your grit on the court right yeah. there. I think uh, they would have a lot of shot clock violations because they would just try to keep passing the ball to each other, and then they would all realize that they're the same person who doesn't want to shoot. But unless it was the final 10 seconds of the game and you needed to go ahead. TJ McConnell. He's yeah, man. he's the clutchest in the NBA this year so far. Quick other thought on the game. and uh, So at halftime, they had, a, they had a basketball team. They were probably like eight-year-old girls or something um, playing. And, you know, they're they're fun to watch, especially those where it's like getting a single basket is really, like I know they at least one basket was made, maybe two, but it's really exciting because they just, they struggle to, to shoot baskets. Um, right. Cause even to like, get the ball that Yeah, high. it's 10 feet up in yeah. the air. Um, which is understandable. Yeah. yeah. They're just small and not that strong yet. Um, I was thinking about <laughs> how... How funny it would be. And maybe this is, tell me if this is wrong. I want you to just be honest. Yeah, with me. it is. 
Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. You can say it first. But <laughs> how funny it would be if they did that and they have little kids come out, um, whatever boys, girls that aren't good at basketball and they're just very small. Uh, and but you just put one like adult player on the floor that tried really hard <laughs> and so they would just like go down and just like they would score every time they would block every shot on the other end <laughs> it would be i think it would be hilarious and i just don't know i think it would be funny to see how the crowd responded to that yeah you know it would be a good like sociopath test for the crowd like if yeah. they're enjoying it they're probably a sociopath <laughs> 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 these are children out here ray come on <laughs> um okay i do think it would be pretty funny though it would be also be funny without sort of if it was just presented at, like they always are like welcome the youth team from wherever and like there was just an adult yes. playing out there like, yes no, no that context would, for it or they like run out of the stands and like sub in for somebody yeah <laughs> like right after the tip off you know yeah and then people are like should i do something is you know but they don't do anything but as long as the kids were in on the joke, it's kind of hard to to get kids in on that joke at that age. Like, yeah, oh, I think they wouldn't. I think it would be important that they were not in on the joke. Oh, well, they might start crying. Yeah. I mean, know. they definitely would. Kids, especially kids these days. We're going to do a little kids these days segment here. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying about everything. What's up with that? Bill, uh, you know, creates perseverance. Okay, one last thought on the halftime with adults playing in kids' games. Uh, I think if each team had an adult, that would also be kind of funny. If like mm-hmm. they were like sort of you know matching up against each other and mm-hmm. just dominating the game, and, yeah, and both being really serious about it, while the kids on their team were like, you know, I don't know, yeah, dude, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, that's that's a, also a good halftime show analysis uh for the Sixers game that you went to. We also kind of got into a segment that we're not going to do today which was the the best 5, you know, constructing a team of the best possible team using five players in the NBA. We did a similar segment to that last time which was the falling stars challenge uh where each uh, you and I each picked five players to be on our falling stars team. Um and we had the listeners uh, were able to respond and say whether they thought Ray's team or my team won the Falling Stars Challenge. Uh, and so it, you have some theoretical results here, Ray, that you might want to share? I received uh, one vote um, for my team from our friend Olin. Okay. Um, and yeah, he uh, his his main concern was that you'd picked inactive players for your team and so i think he thought that was kind of without outside of the confines of what we we're trying to do and i guess he also liked my team thank you for voting for me Olin. um so yeah we'll say the teams again ray's team is vince carter theoretically active ray john rondo <laughs> played last night i saw it with my own eyes joakim noah who plays for the knicks we'll get into that later evan turner Dwayne Wade, my team was Carmelo Anthony, uh, I guess he also is on the Knicks, uh, Alan Iverson, Chris Bosh, those two, yeah, I'll admit, not currently playing in the NBA, <laughs> Nick Young, and Chris Humphreys, who I think is with in With Dwight the- Powell coming <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> with Dwight Powell coming off the bench. So I guess we'll just leave it for now until we get some more votes in that you won the popular vote there, which is important, I guess. Maybe it means something. <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh yeah the the total you know we'll still see who really won the falling stars challenge here yeah vote the voting remains open um speaking of those knicks uh we want to get into the sort of dumpster fire that is the knicks right now yeah yeah it's hard to um it would be hard to script uh a plausible story that is as bad as the knicks uh actually are in real life but um yeah so big news this week uh they one the knicks have been playing poorly for a little while and i think they're basically they're certainly out of the playoff they're out of the eight seed for sure um and they're 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 stuck between i guess theoretically being able to make the playoffs and just tanking um and then this week uh first off there was some article written i think dissing carmelo i think and phil jackson kind of tweeted sort of affirming it in a way it was kind of hard to to totally understand what phil was saying but um i guess carmelo was compared to some older player and phil seemed to both question it and like validate it in another way uh so obviously that that's phil jackson is the general manager of the knicks and carmelo anthony is the falling star of the knicks and uh so yeah so that's not it's not a good for the general manager to kind of publicly potentially diss one of his best players right um who also has more kind of probably is for most fans they probably have more loyalty to him uh than maybe you know his current performance warrants because of his name and his like you're star. talking about loyalty to phil jackson the zen I'm, master i'm sorry loyalty to carmelo I'm oh, sorry. oh okay um and so basically he's like picking on someone who is likely to to um, get a bunch of fans to defend him interesting you think that the fans have some sort of loyalty to carmelo at this point i think so i mean like specifically so probably the most notable new york knicks fan is outside of greg Sievers, spike lee yeah i was gonna say greg Sievers, the most um, notable. uh and he and he said he was something effective i'll i'll stick with carmelo and phil can get the heck out of here gotcha um and i think that I think a lot of people kind of that are into the advanced stats and, and so forth are like, yeah, Carmelo's probably not that good anymore. But I think probably the majority of fans still think about him as a, you know, top NBA player. Right. Um, yeah, I would say that like Knicks fans that I've talked to generally were like sort of uh had mellowed a bit on Mello. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so it, it, I think Chris Stapps is like sort of as far as players go their main like loyalty so anything that would like increase the chance of like him having a good team around him mm-hmm. which to be fair in that sort of like mellow versus Phil Jackson there might not be a clear winner to take sides and so. like both of them are sort of detrimental to the Knicks <laughs> yes. Yes. which is just the this is the yeah. sad part about the Knicks is like they have all these conflicts and just like there's really no like one person that you can uh point to and be like yeah that's that's gonna make things better yeah um yeah honestly that i think they're they would be best served if they got if they traded away carmelo and then did not did not renew their contract with phil jackson at the end of the season so who do you think they should take instead as a general manager sam hinky (laughs) that's probably another podcast though um but i'm kind of bearing the lead here this was only 
a preamble in this nick the nick six functional world to uh um a former player you want to talk about that court yeah so i watched the video uh and so the just for a listen, little, okay yeah for for, listeners you might not have seen it yeah so listeners might not have seen it might not even know who charles oakley is because they didn't have you know i don't know they didn't watch the nba when they were kids or whatever charles oakley uh great defensive player for the knicks back in the day part of their core uh at least well-regarded defensive player also just kind of like an enforcer it was also back in the day in like the 90s in the nba like it was like the tougher era with all the hand checks and whatnot and you were just supposed to be like tougher and whatnot and that dude was like super tough uh so he was a player for the knicks in the past the owner of the knicks is james dolan who is jd in the straight shot yeah just generally not regarded well among people i've talked to at least and just like as far as personality goes and like not driving the team into the ground and just generally like a detestable dude he's the owner charles oakley had is kind of been like a an outspoken critic of the of dolan in the press like whenever people have like asked for his opinion on the current state of the team and then has also sort of been like pushing for a meeting with dolan to like i don't know air his grievances and whatnot and dolan has kind of like rebuffed those offers so this all went down uh the clippers were at the knicks i don't remember which day this was actually i I remember it was wednesday because i as i was leaving the sixers game i uh, my twitter feed was blowing up with like charles oakley gets in a fight gets kicked out of knicks game yeah so Wednesday night, Clippers are in town. Uh, Oakley has purchased seats like pretty close to where Dolan sits, the owner of the team sits. Uh, and he shows up there. And by Oakley's account, he had not said anything. He just like four ish minutes into the game, four to eight minutes into the game, uh, security came and was asking to remove him. And he hadn't said anything. By Dolan's accounts or Dolan has kind of had his side of the story told by other people, but like there was some sort of like verbal abuse going on in his general direction from Oakley's section. Oakley was there with like a few of his friends as well. Uh, Regardless of what happened beforehand, the part where like the video cuts in, I, I only saw the replays after there was like such an altercation that the game was sort of stopped because the players were like paying attention to the stands and Basically, they sent like eight security guards over to where Oakley was sitting and they were like sort of arguing with him. Uh, He's very heated. Uh, He ends up making some physical contact with some of those security guards, uh, some strong pointing with like actual contact with the finger, that sort of deal. Uh, And uh, I think there was like pushes. I think there was like strong pushes, maybe like a push in the face even. Yeah, he kind of pushes one guy like with his face like out of his way yeah and then so there's like all these security guards there and they end up sort of like dogpiling him i guess to like sort of drag him out of there and oakley sort of like resists by like he's a big guy too and sort of like goes limp and it's just a bad seeming scene as he resists and like all these dudes are just dragging him out uh and all the players are watching on both teams and like doc rivers used to play with uh oakley like briefly a couple seasons so he's the coach of the Clippers. He's like looking over there and he's confused. 
uh and the fans are kind of on the side of oakley i guess uh that are in the stadium um yeah i i don't know what to say but just kind of you couldn't have imagined like a worse you know situation for the knicks like it just seems like there's such a circus right now yeah yeah it's yeah it's really it is really sad i don't know um yeah i don't yeah there's not there's just not the only thing to be optimistic about for the knicks is that they have chriseps porzingis and that's a that's a big thing to be optimistic about so i don't know i guess all of this will uh, fade away and if they ultimately start making kind of correct team building moves and bringing in younger players that can play with Chris Stapps, um, then it could be good in the long run, but I guess now it's a super frustrating time to be a Knicks fan. Yeah. I mean, I think it always has been with Dolan and my, yeah. here's my biased opinion. I think they need to get rid of Dolan in some way. I don't know. It, yeah. Getting think- rid of the owner is hard. That's it. Um, one of the, there's been lots of conversations about team building, particularly around the Sixers. Um, and I think, and I think one of the most common things is, uh, that is believed or accepted or talked about in the analytics communities. Um, ultimately organizations like long-term success is going to be about their ownership. And if their ownership is, um, being smart and thoughtful and employing qualified people who are making good decisions, like that's the, that's long-term what makes organization good and the short-term all types of things can happen. Um, and you know, in the case of the Sixers, the, the ownership was behind what Hinky was doing, which I think was good. And then they ultimately grew weary when they got pressured and they got tired of the losing and they switched courses. Um, but it makes sense ultimately the ownership's decision to embrace what the team is or isn't doing. And, uh, it seems like James Dolan has set a, a bad tone, uh, regardless of, kind of subjective assessments of that the Knicks have been pretty bad for a pretty long time. So the data suggests they're he's not doing a good job. So and it's hard to replace ownership unless they want to sell the team. Right. I guess that's the the crux of it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if unless the entire like fan base can't you like revolt or something like that? They could vote with their feet over to Brooklyn. To yeah, watch see, that's the, the issue here. It's the like all these Knicks man. fans that I know they talk about how much they hate Dolan, but then like, you know, there's so many people that are Knicks fans. Like that stadium's gonna, you know, the garden's gonna be full. It's like, yeah, no matter what kind of putrid product they put out there, it's like the history of the Knicks and like the fact that it's you know the New York basketball team. They're just gonna. It's a good logo. Yeah, it's a very nice logo. Yeah, yeah, orange and blue. Yeah. Um. One more. Oh, yeah. On the Oakley thing. So the the Rangers, the hockey team, played on Friday night. Was that last night? <laughs> did he go? Uh. Did, no, Oakley. <laughs> Oakley did not go. But my friend Mike Vitanian was there, and apparently during the third period in the hockey game, the entire crowd at this hockey game started <laughs> chanting "Free Oakley," I believe. Oh wow. Yeah, in support of Charles Oakley, which wow. I thought was really nice. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, that isn't. And I guess if it wasn't um, clear already, if Oakley was in trouble because he was going after Dolan, that is something that most Knicks fans would support. So he um, would he support, probably won him some himself some fans. Yeah. Yeah, would support like the even if it's yeah, even if like some people might have disagreed with like sort of I don't know. He How seems he like he's it? yeah. 
he seems like a little out there as a person, but like, yeah, yeah. I think most Knicks fans would be supporting Oakley. And he, uh, there's also kind of sort of like the childhood nostalgia of like, he was this really tough dude and enforcer on the team, like back in the nineties. So it's like a player that, you know, people grew up with, with like knowing and like rooting for and whatnot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, for sure. For sure. Anyway, uh, also a Knicks fan, Spike Spike Lee. Uh, you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna start a little segment here. Um, talk a little bit about what we've been kind of listening or listening to or watching or reading. Um, yeah, this is a pop culture segment. It's called yeah. "What Have You Been Listening to or Reading or Watching." <laughs> I think. What have you been consuming? Yeah, maybe? what what culture have you been consuming? With one of your senses. Um, yes. What so, have you been eating, Ray? What have you been... Well, so last night I was, um, you know, uh, scrolling through the HBO Go movies, and I saw uh, Do the Right Thing, which I hadn't seen before, uh, which now I feel bad that I hadn't seen it before. And so I watched it, and it was... Uh, yeah, it was just a really good movie. Obviously, Spike Lee was in it, and it's his movie. Um, hence the segue, great segue court. Um, really smooth, I thought. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was great. Um, that's the kind of production we're aiming for in our new, uh, new version, new half court mid range, or our rebrand. Yeah, our rebrand. You can yeah. see how slick our site is. So we got to have <laughs> slickness of. <laughs> Props to court on all the site and doing basically everything besides. I just talk. That's all I do. Yeah. Um. Um. So yeah, it was it was really good. I think. Uh, I don't know. I guess I, I probably am uncomfortable kind of sharing too much about it because there's, it touches on lots of um, sensitive issues, and I think they involve a lot of kind of care and, um, careful wording. I guess I'll just say that I thought it was very prescient and like relevant to, uh, lots of things that are still happening and I, it's kind of sad in a way that um yeah it's kind of sad in a way that kind of the same problems that they were talking about demonstrating in that movie are still very very similar uh right now and they're still kind of manifesting themselves in similar ways um because that I, movie is like the 80s right yeah it was it came out in 89 okay yeah. um so, um, yeah, there were a couple of things. I, one thing I noticed at one point in the movie, the word gentrification was said. I thought that was interesting. That caught my ear. Um, yeah. And in uh, another part that was also kind of just surreal, they were having a, um, the police came in and they asked the pizza owner, Sal, if he was going to be moving out of the neighborhood pretext of like there was violence and and crime and the kind of racial tension in the neighborhood like are you moving out and um he suggests that he's not he's going to stay for a while and that he would get into real estate and build a, a, a high rise and the police uh like oh so you're like a, a trump tower here in bedsty and uh it was, yeah, it was just very, um, obviously, I guess Donald Trump has been a notable figure in New York for a very long time, so right. it's not that strange, but uh, it was, yeah, it was a little bit like of a, whoa. Yeah. It all 
it all comes back i had forgotten that like when when i first watched it it was a while back maybe i think it was back when i was still living in new york but yeah so like you know five or six years ago but i forgot that they mentioned donald trump in it it was probably more of a passing reference like and i'm sure like you know it was sort of more of a local reference at the time yeah um but considering the themes of the movie like really yeah yeah um and yeah, there's I guess in terms of basketball, another another uh, interesting and difficult scene was the the son of the pizza owner who works there, Pino, who's like very racist and aggressive. Uh, he says a racial slur about black folks, and uh, Spike Lee's character um, is just talking him through, and he's like, "Who's your favorite basketball player?" <laughs> like Magic Johnson, and. Uh, and oh shoot he said i forget the other he he, na- he named a number of like what's your favorite and he you know he said multiple black people and uh and then the pino the racist character goes on to like and and spike lee's like look what why are you saying that stuff why why are you using those slurs when you clearly respect and admire the work of black folks and uh um and he tries to explain how it's different he basically tries to explain how magic johnson despite having black skin is not um uh does not i guess have the qualities that he thinks are detestable in black people i guess Mm. is what he's trying to say um and i don't know it's just a very yeah it was a very like yeah maybe yeah maybe i would just encourage y'all to watch the movie right now especially if you're kind of uh spending a lot of time reflecting on where we're at as a as a society right now and things that are happening in, in our world. So. Yeah. I think I'll probably end up rewatching it. Yeah. Um, I also highly recommend that our listeners watch that one if they haven't seen it before or if they haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. And uh, I guess you want to throw the, the, throw the question yeah. back at me. What have you yeah, been? What have, what have you been listening to or uh, reading or watching? Okay, so let's see. Watching wise, I don't have a I don't have a good answer on that one. But listening and reading, I have a couple things prepared. Uh, it, so last year there was a car seat headrest album that came out yeah. that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to uh, when it did come out. But I've been listening to that song, Drunk Drivers, Killer Whales, <laughs> yes, a lot recently. Like probably like too much. Like, is there? Do you ever have this with a song where you like listen to it too much? Like you're just like, oh man, I could just keep on listening to that song. I actually did that with that song and yeah. that album in general, especially because it kind of makes me sad. That song, yeah, the song or the album or both. Both, but yeah, the I feel like it, it's also probably worth it if you haven't listened to the song. Maybe just like pause the podcast and listen to it or something, and it might give you better context for this conversation. But uh, it's it does like capture something about. Uh, yeah, it captures a feeling in a way uh, of, it, and, and it's kind of hard to describe outside of the context of the song. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's definitely makes sense as a song, that feeling mm-hmm. uh, of like being out of control or like not being able to like stop the choices that you've made, but maybe you could stop them and feeling emotional about that. There's a, little, a lot of good wailing at the end. Yeah. What's the lyric is like, 
we're just trying to get home or something like that uh there's yeah there's it's not uh we are not a proud race it's not a race at that's all. a good one yeah <laughs> we're just trying to get home yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just yeah. trying to get home yeah drunk driver i really yeah driver. it's a very yeah. like passive like like look i'm just trying to i'm just trying to get by don't kill me with your car right or I took it as like, uh, like there's part of him where he's yeah. like trying to get home and he is drinking, but mm-hmm. he's deciding whether what what he's gonna do because he wants to get out of this party or, you know, there's a lot of interpretations you can put in because it's like very nicely vague and and fills in a lot of the blanks with the the emotion of the music, and and he does way and the the guy who wrote it he's like what 24 now 25, it is kind of. I, I get a little bit of emotion there too, where you're like, "Wow, he's done a lot." Yeah, he's younger than me. Yeah, he. I mean, he just puts out a lot of music, right? Yeah. Like, um, just recording in his uh in his car for a while. Hence nice. the name car seat headrest. So that's a uh, you know, not the most timely of suggestions, considering it uh came out last year. Maybe a little yeah. bit of old news, but uh, but just been. Especially in this carnival season, maybe a good song for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just sort of the the excess and the and and feeling that in the context of like all these all this revelry. Yeah, uh, feeling both a part of it and not a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's a good one. And reading wise, I just picked up uh, John Darnielle's new book, uh, oh, the nice. singer for the Mountain Goats. Uh, he previously came, his first book was Wolf and White Van, which I read and I enjoyed. Uh, and this new one is called Universal Harvester. Uh, and it's set in Iowa and it's about a guy who works at a video. It's set in like the nineties, uh, early nineties. And he works at like this local video store, rental store, uh, which Iowa video rental store, uh, nineties pretty much sums up like half the you know mountain goat songs really (laughs) (laughs) seems right you know it's it's a very um if you like mountain goat stuff you'll like this book i think nice i i would uh i would like to check that out i was just listening to mountain goats last night enjoying them oh yeah what were you listening to uh i was listening to tallahassee (laughs) um, and uh really great album um I actually want to go back. I realized I didn't close my thought when I was talking about that conversation that Spike Lee's character was having with the racist son. Yes. I think maybe what I want to, I should have, I should wrap that up. The reason that I, that caught my attention was because the characters justifying the racism was clearly flawed. He's clearly ignorant um, and just wrong. And I guess it just it reminded me of a lot of the the language and explanations that are being used to justify certain kind of biases or things now. And it just the the fact that it um how I think now there's it's maybe in some cases done in a more like kind of covert, less explicit way. Um mm. it it still kind of is it still kind of sounds the same, you know. It's still kind of the same like explanations or they just like transform into how they're presented um but they're still wrong yeah that's sort of like yes but like like yeah that doesn't count because of this yeah exactly it just like it didn't just kind of a a, just a clear contradiction that like 
you work around it in one way or another, but it never makes sense. It just remains a contradiction. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, it's um, it's sad too to think you know that movie '89 and just like we're coming up on 30 years later and yeah yeah I, I have, yeah yeah before we move on for the segment one thing that i really really enjoyed this week that i uh someone posted on facebook that i then shared uh was uh they found they found these infographics that wb du bois had made um and they're just like they're just really kind of beautiful and like informative and uh, as I, I spend a lot of time, I, I work with data and I find data to be interesting and to tell stories. And um, I appreciate uh, outlets that present data in a way that is easily consumable. Um, and so I thought this was really neat that just like way back in the day, he was like drawing these infographics that explained um, it was based on a study that he did on uh, African-American life and um, African-American life in America and breaking out like income and where folks lived and all, all of this stuff. Uh, and they were really wonderful. So check that out if you haven't already. How do we find it? Just go to your Facebook and you could do that. I think if you, if you search for W.E.B. Du Bois infographic, then that would also work too. Cool. Yeah. That's another strong recommendation for, uh, what are you looking at from Ray? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What kind of, what kind of infographics? Yes. Uh, that sounds cool. Definitely check that out, listeners. I haven't either. I'll check it out. Um, so, yeah, the, that uh, probably wraps up that. That'll be a recurring segment, by the way, the what are you listening to slash watching slash reading slash tasting. Uh, it might have a few <laughs> restaurant reviews in there, depending on <laughs> depending on who's calling in as a guest. Will people be calling in? Will people be calling in? Thanks to my considerable technical skill. <laughs> Uh, I learned how to solder last week, <laughs> which was not involved in figuring out how to make phone calls to our show. But now there is a way that you, the listener, uh, provided that you have sufficient moral fiber and actually follow through with your promises, uh, are able to call into our show uh, and become a guest, uh, a teleguest, as you might say, a guest from afar. You don't even have to be down here in New Orleans, but you can join Ray and Court on this program uh and hear the sweet sweet sounds of your own voice <laughs> along with us um so we had planned on actually uh having a guest on in this with this new call-in feature yeah um wait so ben foster was he was gonna call in right he was gonna call in yeah oh. um and we waited around for him and he just we gave him like 15 minutes and tried to get a hold of him and just Man. nothing again Man, um, you just get burned over and over again. Yeah, so that's pretty disappointing. Um, so maybe we'll have some. We might have a different guest next time, uh, and just you know, get a hold of Ray or I if you're trying to get in on that. Unless you're Ben Foster, because we've been burned too many times. Mm-hmm. We have been burned too many times yeah. by him. Uh, yeah. Um, if you don't want to get burned, and you are interested, um, in getting a little taste of NBA Twitter, uh. There are lots of good follows, um, but the trade deadline is quickly approaching, and so there will probably be some some hot trades that happen, and NBA Twitter will be a buzz. It's a fun time to be in that scene, uh, and so I invite you if you're interested. Um, you should just probably follow Adrian Wojnarowski, and he generally breaks the news, and just enjoy it. 
You could also follow uh, one of your uh, oh, yeah, friendly yeah. hosts here on Twitter, <laughs> uh, Quartz, at Court Schoonover or at Ray Swert. Uh, that's yeah. up to you to figure out how to spell those. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We also possibly, uh, depending on sort of listener interest, might be gearing up on the old social media accounts for the show itself. Oh, wow. Because uh, I've noticed this. A lot of people have both their own personal Twitter account and a Twitter account associated with their endeavors, which is yeah. somehow not a uh, human being or a person, but is sort of a person in the corporation sense. Mm. Like it has... It can tweet on its Which own. is a person according to the courts. Right, exactly. Yes. Uh, so, you know, if you're like, say you have a papaya selling business, like Pachamama's Pantry, they have an Instagram account. Is it a real person that puts these pictures of papayas on the internet? <laughs> Does Stefan run the account? Uh, it's unclear. Uh, <laughs> it's unclear, but I would say partially, yes. I think he's one of two people that posts nice. things on that account. Nice. Uh, we don't have an Instagram account. I think if Stefan had a personal account that he actually posted to with some regularity, I would join Instagram just for that reason. Nice. But I'm I... kind of anti-corporation, so I don't know if I'm going to follow join just to, to follow Pachamama's Pantry. Okay, yeah. You would follow Stefan the person, but not Stefan the limited liability corporation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's fair. That's a good snickerdoodle clue. Stefan the limited liability corporation. <laughs> Um, we will never have an Instagram account for half court and mid range because we kind of have radio voice. You don't want to spoil the thing. We by could just having pictures of. We this. could take the same picture of us recording in your living room every oh, just, every week. Yeah, except for not even take the picture. Just send, just put the same picture up every time. <laughs> Actually, like we will have an Instagram account, and we're just gonna post the same picture of us over yeah. and over again, yeah. um, kind of Father John Misty style. Um, so yeah, follow us there once we get it up. We don't have it now. We do have the call-in number. We're going to get on iTunes. Uh, we just need some art uh, for the show. And I have to make a website for an artist as a trade to get that art. So got some work to do. But um, we hope that you like the new segments, the pop culture segments. Hope that's uh, been exciting to you. We hope to get some, some people interested in maybe being a guest. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed this time yeah it's been it's been lovely yeah and so we hope uh we hope that you have a good nba trade trade deadline season until we talk to you again this has been court and ray half court and mid-range bye y'all bye